Oh, hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome to the Cast. I'm your host, Charlie Behrens. My guest this week is Mark Normand. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian. You've seen him on Conan. You've seen him on The Tonight Show, uh, The Late Show. He actually opens for Seinfeld as well, which is, uh, in the comedy world, a very tough gig to get and, and a very prestigious gig. So, good dude. I think we had a very fun conversation. And you can actually see Mark at Comedy on State next weekend. So, make sure you do that. It's an amazing comedy club. One of the best in the country, uh, hands down. It's right over there off State Street. Right over there off State Street, ladies and gentlemen. Just down from that big gumdrop we call the Capitol, okay? The big mint gumdrop. Who made mint gumdrops, by the way? Who did that? Same person who made the white jelly bean also made the white gumdrop. And those people, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. but um, And maybe I'm being prejudiced against white gumdrops, but... How did we get on the... Oh, yeah, the Capitol. That's how we got on that topic. Well, that's a good way, uh, Charlie. That's good to show everybody how your brain works or doesn't. I do this thing on my phone where I I just write, like, potential bits in my notes section. I got, like, little folders for everything, like sketch and stand-up, and I have, like, shows I'm trying to pitch. Songs, those are are really bad. I won't even dig into those, but I, I got this. I'm just flipping through my phone right now. I've got this one under stand-up, and it, it, this is all it says in the entire bit, bit is, I chew gum like a serial killer. Now, what I mean by that, okay, is I've, I was on the road a lot this past week. I'm on tour, um, and I noticed in the uh, little cup holder all the gum wrappers, and uh, I didn't know I did this, but actually, I'll be honest with you. What happened is my buddy got into the car, and then he was like, what, the, did you have an entire, like, do you have 20 people in this car and everybody was chewing gum? No, that was just me. That was just one leg of a road trip. I bought some gum at the Quick Trip and I chewed the entire pack in a uh, in a six-hour drive. No, it was a four-hour drive from the UP. I was in Harris, Harris, Michigan. I was driving back down to Milwaukee and I chewed an entire pack of gum in that drive. That was four hours. Uh, I just kept, I was, I was chain chewing. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason I bring this up, actually, I had no reason to bring this up. But now that I brought this up, I would like to know, does anybody else change you? I mean, there are worse habits to have. Yes, but um, I'm, I'm worried about myself. I'm worried about what this means for my life trajectory from here on out. If I'm a guy who can chew an entire pack of gum in a four hour car ride, what does that say about me as a human being? And uh, more specifically, does it say I'm a serial killer? Okay. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you do want to see this chronic gum chewer on tour, uh, you can do that. We just uh, added new shows. We're going to be in Bloomington, Minnesota. So if you're in the Twin Cities, come check that out. Uh, we're going to be in Chicago also. And we're doing both those shows actually for the definitely unofficial Packers tour, kind of. We're going to a few cities, a few select cities this year. We're not doing a full-on uh, Packers away game tour because we have a few different shows already booked in the uh, post. We, we rescheduled a bunch of shows with COVID, so we're not going to all the away games, but we are going to a few in Chicago and Minnesota. So if you're in town for the games, come check uh, me out. We'll, I'll be doing a show uh, there. Also, San Francisco this weekend. Uh, come see that. But if you want the whole list of shows, there are a bunch of Wisconsin shows too. I, I just named off a lot of the out of state ones. But if you want to see the entire listing, you can check it out on cripescast.com. You can check it out on mandwalkmint.com or charliebarons.com. But, you know, since it's a Cripescast podcast, we'll just keep it easy and say cripescast.com. 
So, uh, yeah, I would love to see you out on tour. Those shows are a lot of fun, and I appreciate the heck out of all of you for supporting that. Hey, I want to thank everybody who has followed the Cast on all the social media platforms. That's at Cast on, uh, you know, you know all of them. Facebook, Twitter, you, you get it. Uh, so follow those. That'd be cool. And also, big thanks to everybody who uh, have been commenting and rating the podcast. That's really cool. Speaking of which, here's a comment from Allenton Proud, entertaining and informative. Love the podcast. It helps me get through my 12-hour workdays. Saw you walking in the West Bend Theater tonight. I couldn't go since I had to take my daughter to piano lessons. I must say you are taller than I expected. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you. You know, I've been growing myself actually since I was, you know, since I was born. And it's about time someone's realized uh, that I put a lot a lot of work into, you know, getting, I'm over six feet. So um, six foot one, if you ask my license, if you ask my doctor, uh, six foot three quarters. So, you know, anyway, thank you, Allenton Proud, for that comment. Thanks so much. Okie dokes. Uh, that's enough chit chat and disclosing deep personal things like the amount of gum I chew in a four-hour car ride. Let's get to a more interesting conversation here with Mark Norman. Good sunglasses. I love it. Oh, yeah. I'm hungover. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you right now? I'm in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, baby. Oh, just, yeah. Just flew in. Are you doing that improv over there tonight? Doing this huge, gigantic airplane hangar that they call a comedy club. And uh, <laughs> it's been a wild week. I, I was in Nashville on Wednesday to do a, a private corporate gig. And uh -huh. then I flew here right after. And it's beautiful. It's nice to be in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. What was your corporate gig for? It was actually a independent film festival. And they hired a comedian. They wanted some some yucks. And I got to tell you, it went pretty well. I mean, I've done 8,000 corporates. I've bombed all of them. And this <laughs> one, I said, fuck it. And I just went in hot. And they loved it. Because they're artists, I guess. They're a little more open-minded, less uh, uh, businessy, you know, corporation-y. <laughs> so they were cool. I always think if I'm doing a corporate gig, I'm just not getting hired the next year. I've already walked into yeah. that assumption. You know, it's such a fascinating thing because they're like, we want a jet. We want comedy. We want laughs. And then I do a Jew joke and they're like, ah, what are you crazy? And you're like, oh, I, I forgot. I was I was treating you guys like human beings. I forgot yeah. you guys are just, you know, uh, at the beck and call of your your CEO and you, you're you're under his thumb all the time. So, like, you can't show enjoyment at this stuff. This is too real. You got to yeah. Level. Yeah, I know. They're, they're like, they're very, uh, it's very one liners. It's things that, yeah. uh, you know, that everyone will politely laugh at for a little bit. That's the thing, because like a bunch of people in those situations, they're all like, they're like, if I laugh at this, is, is HR going to look at me funny? You know, they're exactly. all, in, they're in work mode. You can't really, yeah. Uh, what is your biggest it, bomb at a corporate gig? Uh, well, that's the funny thing is at the end of it, I'm like sweating. I'm, I'm loosening my tie. I'm sitting alone at a table like, whoo, that was rough. And uh, without a doubt, like 20% of them will be like, I loved it. That was awesome. Here's my card. I'll hire you for my bar mitzvah, whatever the hell. I'm like, great. But it's just the perception. The worst one I ever did. It was uh, 2019 Christmas time. Christmas time is when they pop up because everybody has a party and whatnot. So yep. they want a comedian. And I got a pretty good resume for corporate. It's like Tonight Show, Conan, Colbert, uh, Seinfeld. Like, he's uh, my favorite young comic. So I'm, they're like, oh, gee, get this guy. And I'm cheap. 
and I'll do any gig <laughs> and I'll go anywhere. And I have no scruples on like pharmaceutical company. I'm not, I'll do anything. I'll do a, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. So this company, it's a pharmaceutical company doing an award show. And they're like, this is a big one. We're going to rent you a tuxedo. It's in the ballroom of this five-star hotel in Philadelphia. We're going to get you a limo from New York to Philly. We're going to feed you. We're going to put you up. And all you got to do is do 15 minutes of clean material up top and then host the award show. I'm talking giving out trophies. This is the best uh, sleep aid or this is the best uh, diet pill or whatever it is. It's like Oscars for pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And I go up there and I eat shit for like the first 15 minutes. I'm bombing my ass off and I'm like, well, let me just go into the awards. <laughs> and then I see a lot of rumbling in the back and uh, I got two awards in and they, they just went and they cut me. Oh, and I was you like, got was the hook. I got the hook early. It's like a three hour show. I was probably 24 minutes into it. And they were like, you made a vibrator joke. The CEO's <laughs> wife was uh, offended as a woman and she yelled at him. Then he yelled at me and he's like, you got to go. I had to leave the building. I had to return, like take the tuxedo off, put my bullshit clothes back on, give them the tux. And they put me back in the limo and sent me back to New York. Well, I, I will say, I mean, at least they didn't make you return the tux. That's the worst. Well, it was their tux. I rented it. Well, you rented it from them? They were a tux rental? Well, they paid for me to go to Joseph A. Banks and rent a tux. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess that's what I'm saying is at least you have to go back to Joe A. Banks after Jose Banks. I never sure, know. Sure. No, I just that. gave it to them. They, they yeah. wanted nothing to do with me. Like, <laughs> hey, get out of our sight, you creep. So, so I, uh, uh, so, I went home with my tail between my ass. <laughs> So clean comedy uh, for you uh, does include vibrator jokes. Well, it was all, uh, what's the word? Not euphemism. Uh, what's the word? Metaphoric? No. Uh, yeah. I innuendo. I, innuendo. Innuendo. That's it was all fine. innuendo. That's fine. So I would be like, my, my girlfriend, she likes to uh, use toys, and and uh, I can't compete with that. It feels like I'm, I'm the guy at, at CVS, and she's using the self-checkout. And that was as far as it went. And they were like, oh, dip, cut it, wrap it up, get the cane, get the taser, get the chloroform. He's out of here. Your stand-up special is hilarious. You released that on YouTube, right? That was yeah. just your plan on that. So I, how did that go? Because, I mean, you know, you're you're an incredible joke writer. But Thank you. you decide to self-produce it as opposed to uh getting netflix on board right away or what, what, what was that process or uh, well, process i mean i've told the story a million times but it's just uh comedy's changed so much uh it's so it's again it's it's all about perception now and i don't know you can't just have the same looking guys on a comedy special like it used to just be who's funny put them on or mm -hmm. her on and now it's like we got to have a certain amount of this which i get but it's also like they don't even get the funny ones of those groups. You know, they're mm -hmm. just like, oh, they're they're brown or whatever. Put them on. You're like, yeah, but there's tons of hilarious black comics or Indian comics, whatever. So the whole thing's uh, in shambles. And so I, I had this hour cooking. I was like, I really like honed this hour over years and years of doing the road and doing millions of spots in the city. And this hour was like tight as a drum. Best hour I've ever done. I did an hour for Comedy Central earlier. It wasn't my best work. So I really put it all into this one. And the problem was I would be going back to Denver or going back to Philly or going back to Phoenix. And it would be the same hour because I was just 
hammering the shit out of it, like adding a new line here, tweaking that, taking that out. So they'd go, hey, we like you, but we saw this hour last year. It's a good hour, but, you know, I got to get a babysitter, and then I got to come see the same shit. And I go, I get it. So I said, we got to put this thing down. We got to put it on wax forever. And nobody would buy it. And I was like, well, just watch it. I know I'm a skinny white guy, and you got a million, but just watch it. And I don't even think they watched it. And then I put it on YouTube as a failure. It was like a last-ditch effort. And it, it popped. So uh, now Netflix, I'm doing a half hour with them because of the success of that. So it's like, not only do I, you don't hire me when I got a good hour, but it's like, now I have to prove myself with an hour that I give away for free. And then you're like, all right, we'll give them a half hour. It's, it's a very strange system, but it's, it's tough. But here's the clinker. The point of it all is they don't realize it, but they're building this army of, of, of killer comics who are off in the in the trenches and the the shadows writing gold because we you have to write gold. I mean, it's kind of like the the record labels for a while. You know, it, it was all about getting a record label on board, and then yeah. you know SoundCloud came up, and yeah, they're uh, all jokes about SoundCloud rappers aside. You know, I mean, that's how Chance the Rapper like started his thing is he just put his stuff out there, and then. Uh, it's kind of like you can do so much of it these days. And you got 7 million views on that, I think, uh, yeah. when I was watching it. Um, and, I mean, that must have made you a decent amount of money on YouTube. There were, uh, you know, there were well, a lot of ads in road. there. You make yeah, it on the yeah. road. I, 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 you sell hard tickets. And I, I mean, I was in Florida last night doing a gig. I did a Thursday show. And all these people, out to lunch, man. I saw out to lunch. And the fact that you have a new hour, uh, we appreciate it. We, we notice it. So, uh it all comes out in the wash, but it just sucks how much how much more work you gotta do than other people because you gotta like you gotta you gotta get the industry on your side. I have friends who call me, they're like, uh, they want me to host some game show. I'm like, what? What's that like? I gotta write a game show, sell it to them, and they get a different host. I'm like, what's it like where they come to you with shit? I'm trying to get them to, to answer my phone calls and then he's blocking their calls. He's like, uh now they want me to do a Discovery Channel show, and I gotta, I gotta feed a, an elephant, and I'm like, wow, what is that like? Where they're, where they're calling you with jobs? I'm trying to get them to hire me with, here's a, here's a new innovative thing I've written. Check it out. They're like, maybe we'll buy it, but we're not gonna have you host it. I'm like, great, I'll take it. That's where I'm at. So, <laughs> so is it all just being a white guy in comedy these days? That's sort of what you got to do. Well, I mean, look, there's plenty of uh, white guys. It's just, it sucks when the player, I feel like I'm just a player on the team. Like, look, the NBA is 99.9% .9 black. Nobody gives a fuck. We like the NBA. We want to watch the dunks. We want to watch the threes. But you, no one yelling, there's no one yelling at Kevin Durant going, hey, you, you, there's too many of you, you know, and he, he's just playing. And I'm like, let me just play. That's all I want. I just, I know I happen to be white. I know I happen to be a dude. I know I happen to be a heterosexual. But stop yelling at the players. I'm just trying to play. Yell at yeah. the, uh, the industry and the, and the bookers and, the, and the, the head honchos. So that's what annoys me. Do you think the industry is like, you know, it's been skewed white for a long time. Do you think it's going in the right direction trying to change that? Or do you, it sounds like you're saying they're trying to change it in the wrong way, sort of. Their, their focus no, I isn't think, on... I think every decent, normal human being is all for diversity, of mm -hmm. course. Like, I grew up loving Richard Pryor. I grew up loving Eddie Murphy. I grew up loving Damon Wayans. And I, I used to love Ellen. I used to love Paula Poundstone. I used to love uh, Madeline Kahn and Lily Tomlin. But I was never like, 
I love these women. Look at these female yeah. comedians. How progressive <laughs> am I? How how progressive am I? I love uh, in living color. This this mostly black show. Hey everybody, look at me. No, I just liked them because they were funny. And I get it. There's been like struggles, and they had to do the Chitlin circuit and all this shit. And women get uh, go through hell on the road, and it's 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 a male dominated field. Yada yada yada. But uh, I get all that. But I just think it's so blatantly obvious that they're hiring people for these reasons when they could be hiring people in that group who are good. They just mm. hire somebody because they're a woman. I'm like, but that woman sucks. Yeah. That, that woman over there is hilarious. They're like, well, we got a woman. And I'm like, well, that's even more offensive. Yeah. Just, oh, she's, she's got a labia. Get her in here. <laughs> well, what about the funny labia lady? Ah. I just think it's it's so it's so um, forced and obvious, and it's weird that that no one's bringing it up. But I don't know, yeah. maybe people are. I didn't know that about Chance the Rapper though. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I'm here with uh, your Chance the Rapper facts. You know, he's a Midwest dude, Chicago. You know, I I can provide something. Yeah, that's cool. Good for him because he's actually a good rapper. Like Drake sucks. I know. Drake's but... like the number one song in America. He stinks. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, somebody. Dance who... is good. Yeah, I know. I know. He, somebody said uh, uh, Drake is like the Taylor Swift of rap or something recently. Uh, when this album came out. That's fine. Um, I would just agree. Taylor Swift is better. I would. I would agree. I actually, she's got some bangers. If I'm, oh yeah, you know, oh, if yeah. I'm honest with you, I, I listen to a little Taylor. Yeah, there you go. Do the thing with the glasses. I listen to her on occasion. Yeah, you know, around the time when I'm uh, getting done with a show, looking for a sad burger. You know, you go to a burger place, yeah. sad burger at the end of the night. Uh, a little Hell Taylor yeah. Swift can go good. Uh, and I'm not even talking the pop stuff. I'm talking like the OG T Swizzle. Talking about. You know, someone who upset her in high school. Actually, right. I guess that's the new school Taylor Swift, too. I'll tell you um, who else is good is Billie Eilish. Oh, Butch, yeah. She's a killer. Like, I, I listen to her, and I'm like, this is real music. This ain't just, you know, uh, Katy Perry horseshit. This is, like, moody, emotional, like, angsty music. But it's her voice is great. Yeah, you know what's interesting about music and, and comedy too is a, a lot of people aren't now are creating music, uh, just the hook to get it going on TikTok. And uh, in the same way, I feel like, uh, what what's your thoughts with comedy and social media these days? Uh, well, I've opened for Seinfeld, and he's he's like, "What are you doing on the phone all day?" And I'm like, "Ah, you got to post. You got to have <laughs> yeah. content. Feels like an IV drip. It just got to keep coming, or the or the audience dies. They'll just write you off." So, I have like a thing where I'll actually live my life and go on trips and and hang out with my my lady, and we have a great time. And I'm like, "Oh God, it's been three days. I haven't posted <laughs> anything. Ah, oh, jeez. Oh, the Met Ball happened. The Met Gala. I gotta fucking. I gotta have a tweet about it." And then you go, all right, relax, just post something tomorrow. But uh, it it helps sell tickets. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's basically a, a digital mailing list, you know? So yeah. you get these followers and then you post your Florida gig and they go, oh, hey, look at this. He's coming to Florida. So it helps. I don't yeah. know if it's a – you can get big enough to usurp the social media needs. Like I, I think a guy like Mulaney is so big. I don't see him tweeting. You know, no. I don't see Sebastian Maniscalco tweeting. I don't really see Kevin Hart tweeting. So they're just going, they're just making shit. They're just writing. So I think like, I think you can get big enough to beat it. But right now I'm, I'm, I still kind of need it and use it. Do you almost feel like the job is 
social media and the reward is doing stand-up shows? <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty good. I think you got something there, at least for now, because this wasn't a thing before. It was like, write good jokes, tell good jokes, get your paycheck. Now it's like, now comics are complete entrepreneurs. We should yeah. be creatives. Now we have to be creative and entrepreneur and you have to be creative about your entrepreneuring. I know. Yeah. And then there's the whole merch game. Do you sell a lot of merch? I didn't research that aspect for this interview. What's, what's I mean, your merch game like? I always hear like Fluffy came by here and sold out the the, the arena and sold eight, he sold more money in merch than he did his paycheck. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, he's got <laughs> bottles and mugs and T-shirts and panties and dental dams or whatever. But I'm like... <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want to become like this traveling bazaar where I, I set up a tent with uh, knickknacks and shit. Yeah. So I, I got my T-shirts. I hawk them at the end of the night because you get an extra thousand dollars in your pocket and you meet the people. You take a photo. I, I'm glad they came out. So uh, I, I do the merch shit now and I sell it on my website. So if you want something great, it's a nice little tip. And and it's just a shirt that says comedy. So it's pretty yeah. vague. It's not like some... <laughs> inside joke that we have that no one uh, else will get at the office you kind of mentioned this in your stand-up specials that we all think these things in our head like we're all assholes in our head basically yeah but of course these days a lot of people don't say those things out loud and do you do you think that part of why you do mention a lot of these things is to kind of like blow the the steam off that whereas if you like internalize all of it nobody can say anything it's just like it's going to come out in other ways. Is that sort of the thought process there? Or does it not go that deep? Oh, that's that's a, a really interesting take. Uh, I, I had a friend recently. He's a clean comic and he's kind of like a, a wokey guy and we're buddies. And he's like, look, you can say the horrible shit. Just say it with me. Say it in the green room. Say it with your friends. And I'm like, I guess. But isn't that a the definition of phoniness? Like, mm -hmm. I thought we were trying to get vulnerable up there and bear our souls. And I do think that everyone has fucked up thoughts. Like everybody's going through something. Everybody's a weirdo. Everybody's got some fucking twisty, weird part of their brain. I feel like if we can come together and, and admit that we're all evil in some way. Like some people go, I would never say that. But you also say all men are scum or white guys are the worst. So you're like, What's the fucking difference? I know one is socially acceptable, but that doesn't mean there's not anger behind that. Yeah. And we allow that. So it's just, I don't know. I just feel like it's the great equalizer is how fucked up we are. And then we yeah. try to pretend that you're fucked up. And if I call you on it, that means I'm not. But no, you're fucked up too. You've just hidden it. Mm -hmm. So in my in my eyes, I'd rather come out and say it. And again, I'm joking when I when I make fun of a group. You're you attack me. You're just attacking me and being mean. I was at least joking about a group. Mm. So I don't know. In a weird way, I think fucking with people and saying weird, horrible shit is uh, it's kind of honest and, and respectful in a way. Yeah, that make no, sense? no, it does make sense. I think like there's two schools of thought. One is like, you know, white, heterosexual. I like how you said that. That makes it sound like French, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's good. I should use that. I think a lot of times it's it's all about punching up right. versus punching down and that whole thing. But inherently, I suppose in doing that, you kind of maintain that social hierarchy in some ways. You know, so if you're only if you're only punching up at like white dudes or whatever, 
then in some weird way that kind of maintains the fact that white dudes and the whole point is to equalize it. So I do see yes. what you're saying there. Yeah, that see you agree. I think on a conceptual basis I agree. Now look, I'm more of the like clean comedy variety. Like it happened kind of by accident where I started doing sort of a Midwest shtick and then a lot of my audience was just, you know, it, what that was what they wanted especially like I think if you're a comedian starting out the best way to like get ahead quicker probably is to do clean comedy because yeah. then you can keep working you can keep doing those corporate shows which pay you and then you can you know keep working on comedy so i think that you know i'm kind of in a place where i mean it's not all uh i i am pretty quick to not try and offend you know because yeah also here's the here's the truth but i don't want to you, offend either that's my point no i don't i i'm not saying you do but i think like it takes a more skilled comedian in my mind to do what you do versus what I do, because you, I mean, you watch your special. I don't think any, there are some offensive jokes in there, but I don't think anybody leaves at the end of the entire special feeling offended. Cause you did a pretty good job of uh, offending uh, a lot of people, you know, well, that's, and, that's very nice. And I, I will say, I think clean comedy is actually more, more impressive and more difficult, like well, funny clean. Co you could do, I could do clean comedy all day and bomb. Mm -hmm. But if you're getting big laughs like like a Nate Bargatze or a Gaffigan, mm -hmm. uh, that is really impressive. Well, and and you open for Seinfeld, and he's mostly clean. Uh, he's all right? clean. Well, and then so do you do clean when you open? I for do. Seinfeld? I do. So I I have clean in my back pocket that I've just amassed over years of doing jokes. Yeah. And I put the clean ones aside and go if I need these I'll use them. But. Uh, I just prefer talking. Look, I love clean comedy. I don't even. I, if a joke is good, a joke is good. I don't even see it as clean. But like, yeah. school shootings exist. Therefore, mm -hmm. I will make a joke about them. Toothpaste exists, so I'll make a joke about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I go into the the shooting side of thing or like those social like whatevers. I I'd go into those, but again, I'm I'm hesitant to I guess punch uh down at like a social group that but again i don't necessarily think that's the right way of yeah. doing it but i haven't figured out how to do it well you know and i, I think when i'm doing uh sort of clean comedy and that's what when i tour that's kind of what i'm doing you know it, it takes a while of just getting good at comedy right in my right. mind before i'm gonna like take a risk like that so i don't know i feel like uh, i've got a ways uh to uh, go comedy wise i it's, think you look if you're if you're joke writing, I've never seen your stuff. I'm sorry, but if your joke writing gets good enough, you can make those jokes. And and again, you keep saying punching down. I'm not even punching down, really. I don't think I'm making jokes involving black people or or trans. But I'm not saying they're bad. That's the thing is a lot of people forget is I just made a racial joke, but you took it as a racist joke. But it just involves black people. I'm not even making fun of them. They're just there in the joke. Right. And that's what a lot of people, they just hear these certain buzzy, radioactive, third rail words, and they go like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm like, that's not progress. No. Because that means your brain went to this evil place, even though I didn't. You heard black and went bad. I just said black. Like, I'll be like my gay roommate. And people are like, whoop, 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 whoop. And I'm like, he's my roommate. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, you're in a bad place mentally with gay people. Why you yelled at me? Well, and I, I do think like what you just said, you're not punching down. Like you, your viewpoint is that everybody's on the same plane, which yes. I do think is more progressive. And that's the place we do want to get 
like as a society. We're clearly not there. And I don't think we're there because I, there are a lot of people on uh, Twitter who I think build their careers. I know they build yes. their careers. They build yes. their followings off getting, uh, you know, super pissed at people on a daily <laughs> yeah. basis. And these you are know? bad people, by the way. These are evil, <laughs> fucked up, sinister, uh, like calculated people. Yeah, I know. And and it's it's never more apparent than we go when we go from like one national tragedy ah. to the next. You know, when you saw all right. these COVID experts become Afghanistan experts in like a 12 hour period, it was like, all right, you guys are now just feeding off the shit in the world to build your uh, Twitter following. It's obnoxious. so true. They, the irony is they need horrible shit to happen for them to have a personality or a purpose. Right. You know, like. You you rape that guy and you're like, I, I don't think he did. And they go, No, no, he did. I need him to, please. And yeah. You're like, Why would yeah. you want that to happen? That's horrible. Like Bill Burr did a thing at the Grammys where he got a, a Hispanic guy's name wrong. He just couldn't pronounce it. So everybody called him a racist. He's a racist. And then one guy wrote, Well, you know, his wife's black. And the guy wrote, Whatever. It's like, no, 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 not whatever. You should apologize for calling this guy a horrible thing and delete your tweet. And be glad that he there's one less racist on the on the planet. But you you want him to be racist, so you have a you still have a fucking you know a platform. Yeah, I I don't get it. There's there's not a lot of apologies these days. I almost think no. it's like you know with with Twitter or whatever. There's there's this record of kind of where you stood on all these social issues, and so right. I feel like people are just trying to get on the record a lot of times. Yeah, uh, just just I mean I don't virtue signals. Kind of, yeah, pat yourself on the back. It's like see I'm not racist, and then you just go through the rest of your life, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, being an asshole but uh, and i don't know that i'm yeah. just assuming that you know and I, I so think, maybe I i'm part the adults of the problem in the room think you the way you think yeah yeah by the way i, I gotta tell you what i like the most about your uh comedy is like your joke writing your structure uh and a lot oh, of thanks. times it's it's the simple stuff like i think i don't know it made me laugh it was, it was a little while ago but it was like i think the headline was uh Something about Harry and Meghan, uh, not, uh, I'm going to totally butcher it. Uh, Harry and Meghan are are, oh, si yeah. are speechless over the a Afghanistan uh, thing or whatever. And you're like, finally, some good news. But I just yeah. feel like your uh, sort of economy of words or whatever, like you, you use very few words to get uh, the punchline across, which I really appreciate. Thanks, uh, man. Thanks. Well, that's the cool thing about Twitter is you have to have short short little bites of comedy and that's it makes it's more of a exercise it's more challenging for sure yeah does that keep you sharp sort of joke writing is that your main uh kind of like gym i guess yeah yeah well i mean the stage is the main gym but twitter's a nice little it's 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 like having a treadmill in your house like i can just jump on that and, and stay stay in shape a little bit because you, yeah. you do get a reaction so if it gets 100 retweets you're like all right there's something here if it gets two likes you're like this isn't resonating. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. So it, it's a good little uh, feedback generator. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where did you learn how to write jokes? Did did you just do it from trial and error? Did you like take a class? Did you Google it? What did you do? Uh, I liked jokes as a kid. I was obsessed with jokes when I grew mm. uh, growing up. I had the joke books on my toilet, you know, the big, giant, fat book. 
Uh, I loved Groucho. I loved Bill Murray. I loved uh, one-liners. Yogi Berra, I loved. So I always loved them, but I never thought I could write one. And I remember when I was a kid, I had a birthday party and I made invitations for everybody. I was like, you know, eight. And uh, I said, come to my birthday party, be there or be triangle. <laughs> and not a great joke, but it's a misdirect at the, at, you know, at the time I was an eight year old, but uh, I remember being like, oh, I like that. I like that. I was like proud of myself for writing that. And I just like them. I just think like, Seinfeld said every joke's a miracle, which I don't agree with. I think every good joke is a miracle, but I think they're they're special. They're, they're they make your brain twist in a weird way. It's like a little verbal magic trick. And jokes allow you to tell the truth. So that's nice because we don't like the truth that much. But uh, I think I just learned it from trial and error. I mean, you know how many bad jokes I've written. You know how many jokes I've written on Twitter where people are like, "Jesus, you're 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 supposed to be a comic. You're a professional <laughs> comedian." I'm like, I know that was bad, but. You know, sometimes you got to write a bad one to write a good one. So yeah. lay the fuck off me, folks. Uh, so, yeah, it's just trial and error. It's just doing it over and over, rewriting, tweaking. Sometimes it's one word will make a joke from shit box to killer. So yeah. you just got to do it over and over. And and then when you make when you write jokes about race or gay or women or whatever, that joke's got to be pinpoint perfect accuracy and i like that challenge so mm -hmm. sometimes people see that joke in the in the construction era and they go this guy's a racist this guy sucks this guy's saying he's just going up and being a bigot and you're like give me a week or this will be killer <laughs> but that's just the time we're living in now you write uh what you think is a killer joke and you put it up on stage and if it's not a killer joke do, or do you come up on stage with a premise or are you a guy who like writes it out uh to the comma basically uh, to present on stage to the comma pretty much uh if, if it's clean i can feel like i can find my footing on stage because no one's gonna shoot me with a blow dart in my neck when i right. say uh you know black guy but uh, if it's if it's dark, I, I got to flesh it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like I've watched Bill Burr enough at the comedy store. I, I feel like he's a guy who like goes up sort of he may know where he's starting and where he's ending and he just finds all of it in the middle. Do you ever uh, do that with your material? Only because Bill Burr's got balls, man. He's got balls yeah. of steel and he's he's such a like a warrior of comedy. I one time I saw him at the store. There's three rooms of the store, the belly room, the original room and the main room. I saw him at the main room and I hope he doesn't get mad about this, but he, he kind of bombed. He bombed kind of hard. And I was like, wow, Bill Burr bombing in the main room. It's sold out. That's weird. Then he went up to the belly room, did the same joke and it got like a titter. Still bomb though. Then I saw him go to the original room and it got a little bit of like, oh, I see where you're going here. And then he clocked that and he went back to the main room at a different show that night and killed with that joke. And I was like, I why? I'm such a stalker psycho, but I watched every little bit because I'm such a fan. And it was like inspiring. It blew my mind. And for him, that was just a Tuesday. Yeah. But it was so masterful and impressive that I, I think about that all the time. Yeah. No, I mean, that's uh, I've seen, I think, parts of those processes. I wasn't like touring with him like you were through all those rooms, but uh, that's impressive. Your dedication to uh, Bill Burr right there, too. Yeah. Well, uh, Speaking of great comics, I mean, Norm Macdonald died recently, I know. which is a huge blow. And we don't have to get into it because I've covered it on 78 podcasts. But he has a joke that dictates most of my writing. Like when I heard that joke as a kid, I was like, I didn't know you could do that. That's so brilliant. 
and it's it's influenced 80% of how I, I think of comedy. He has a joke where he says, I was at the gay pride parade. By the way, his son is trans. I don't know if a lot of people know that. Fun no. fact. So he says, I was at the gay pride parade and I saw a lady had a sign that said, I'm proud of my gay son. Or I'm proud that my son is gay or something like that. And he's like, well, what are you proud of? Being gay isn't an accomplishment. It's just who you are. You're just born gay. Like, how does that go at the dinner party? Hey, uh, I'm proud of my son. He just graduated Harvard Law. Oh, good for you. I'm proud of my son as well. Oh, yeah, what'd he do? He loves cock. <laughs> and you're like, look, I get it's a dick joke. But the beginning of that joke is so brilliant. The fact that he says gay isn't an accomplishment. Who, who is so smart that they could find that take? All everybody, Every other normal human being sees... Hey, I'm proud of my gay son. You go, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Who cares if your son is gay? Good for you. Yeah, love, love your son. Gay guys are great, whatever. But he could see that it's it's weird to be proud of, of your son because he's gay. Being gay is just a thing. It's just who he is. You know, it's like saying, I'm proud of my son for being left-handed. It's just, it's just how he's born. Right. So uh, I that the, the dick part is funny, but the, the, the early part of that joke, the first part, I'm like, mind yeah. blown. Well, it's and, and a lot of people may see that and they'll hear like just the punchline and they'll yes. be like that they'll miss the entire part where he's just equalizing people. Bill Burr has a joke uh, exactly. kind of a, similar to that with the troops. He's like, support the troops. Wait, wait, we're supporting all the troops. <laughs> you know, uh, and, yeah, then, and then just, yeah, so uh, but it's the same sort of concept there. Um, but yes. yeah, just Norm Macdonald's ability to just kind of go up i i just love his entire setup and, and uh his one-liner basically that he turns into 10 minutes you know yeah that yeah. That, that takes so much you got to have so much going on just like here for people to like hang with you in that yeah. he's a great he's a he, he combined That's being true. a great improviser with just a great like economic joke writer too yeah like uh he it's almost like being a race car driver. You're going a million miles an hour. You're flying through the the air in this metal box, and you just got to be, you just got to be completely zen about it. And that's how he is with that moth joke. That moth joke's like six minutes long, and yeah, you could lose the crowd. Yeah, they're getting bored. But he's just like, I would be panicking. I'd be flustered and going, ah, but I haven't gotten a laugh in four seconds. I'm freaking out. But he could just keep going, and that's that's some like enlightened buddha shit right there yeah it's not something you can just jump out and do i feel like you have to be confident enough that you can get laughs if you need to and yep. then you just allow yourself to walk that tight line on on a late night uh you know you have you have six minutes maybe and he spends four of it talking about you know the podiatrist office right um, right i just it, like to get to the bottom of shit and that's what's great about comedy like when people say big is beautiful and we all go oh yeah big is beautiful. but then you go oh you're fat as hell and they go fuck you mm -hmm. and you're like i thought it was beautiful and then people pull you aside and go we're just being nice just go with it you fucking asshole and i'm like oh well stop lying then stop lying to me <laughs> right. you know that's right. that's my that's why comedy is so great you know i used to have a joke where i'd say uh Everybody calls uh, Caitlyn Jenner, oh, she's so beautiful. She's a beautiful woman. And I'd say, well, you look like her. And they would go, fuck you. And you're like, all right, we're getting somewhere now. Yeah, yeah. You're a yeah, liar. Yeah. yeah. No, and that yet you're lying to be nice, which is great. But just tell me that you're lying and that you're being nice and I'll move on. Right. No, I mean, at the heart of it, um, 
that makes sense because again it's this this patronizing yes. shit that we do and people you know people know when they're being patronized you know that yeah. doesn't feel good either um again it just makes you feel like you're below you know so yeah right, I like that, right. that style Jeepers, cripes, folks, how in the heck are you? Hey, I want to tell you about Jolly Good Soda. It is the best gosh darn soda this side of the Mississippi, or that side, frankly, folks. Okay, now I know I've said a lot of things are good this side of the Mississippi, but Jolly Good Soda might just be the jolly best. In fact, maybe they should change their name to Jolly Best Soda because it's not just good, it's the bestest. Oh, Jolly Bestest, that's got a ring to it. Anywho, where can you get this soda? Well, it's made exclusively in Random Lake, Wisconsin, okay? And you can get it at any of the gosh darn grocery stores in Wisconsin. I'm talking Festival Foods, okay, or Woodman's or Piggly Wiggly, okay? Shop the pig, okay? I always have to say that after I say Piggly Wiggly. It's just a a knee-jerk reaction, okay? Sometimes I sing it, Piggly Wiggly, Shop the pig. Okay, Charlie, real good. Anywho, uh, Jolly Good Soda, if it's not in your grocery store, just ask the manager. Also, folks, I want to shout out to Loot Trading Company. Hey, are you looking for clothes that look super sexy, but also are super functional? Like, let's say you got a day where you got to fix the garage, cut the grass, and then go to the Met Gala. You know, what do you wear? Well, you wear Duluth Trading Company. It's functional, it's comfortable, and most importantly, it's real sexy, folks. There's nothing more sexy. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. There's nothing more sexy than cargo pockets. I tell you that right now. Aki dogs. But if you don't like cargo pockets, don't worry. They got plenty of options. And if you're an outdoor person, well, they got their Alaskan hard gear brand for you too, okay? So check them out, DuluthTrading.com. And finally, folks, if you're looking for Midwest-specific apparel, stuff that says Ulp or Cripes, or tell your folks I says hi, hoodies and koozies and whatnot, cribbage boards even, I got it all up for you on manduwalkman.com. Check it out real quick once. Buy something for someone's, uh, you know, birthday or or, or wedding or baptism or funeral or whatever it is. Okay, it's all up for you on manduwalkman.com. Okie dokes, back to the Cripes cast. Uh, You grew up in uh, New Orleans, yeah? I, I grew up in New Orleans in the heart of the city. It was not fun. It was reckless. It was wild. It was lawless. It was scary as shit. Um, but I think it, uh, definitely made me uncomfortable enough to try to be funny all the time. Yeah. And when did you, uh, decide you were going to try and do stand up? Uh, I was, I failed out of my third college or second college and I was just rudderless. I had nothing going on. I worked at a Mexican restaurant and this other guy, another waiter was like trying comedy and improv and stuff. And he was like, you should, you should come with me one night. Cause we would bullshit in the service station. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, I can't. What am I? Who the hell am I? Bill Cosby? Mm-hmm. And he was, was like, well, I'll just try it. And I, I put, I blew him off for like six months. And then one day I was like, fuck it, let's go. We drove three hours to Lafayette, Louisiana, or two hours. And uh, there was an open mic. And I immediately was like, I like this. This feels cool. We had a, a meeting in the back of the club. And they were like, all right, you're going to go first. You're going, you're hosting. And I was like, whoa, it already felt like a community. And you're going third. I got my number. And I'm like, oh, my God. And he's like, you're going to get a light at four minutes. That means wrap it up and get off stage by five. And I was like, this is a whole world here. I didn't realize there was a whole community and lifestyle. And you're hanging out with the comics in the green room, busting balls. Everybody's got their papers and their notes. And I just fell in love immediately. And I bombed horribly, of course. Uh, but 
that was it. That was that was comedy. And I, I, I now I'm in the phone book looking for open mics. I'm looking up comedy clubs. It was a whole new. It was an eye opening game changer. So you're like 22 at this point, 23, something like that. Yeah, 22, zero going on. I lived in a house with five guys. It was just poker and beer pong and uh, McDonald's. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like loser fest all day long. So, and then you started, I mean, I bombed. I remember my first time I bombed. I didn't get back up on stage for like six months because, you know, that's just how much I, Yeah. Uh, that's the, how high of an opinion I had of myself. But uh, I did the same thing. Did you? It well, it's took probably a while like four get... months, but it was yeah. just so, so scary. I mean, it's, it's like going into a fist fight willingly. Yeah, right. Right. What, what did you have like a joke that got you back on stage after, like, was there one you wrote? You're like, okay, this, this will get me back up. Yeah, yeah. I had two that were like my joke, my 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 pillars in my act. Like everything else sucked. But two, one was people always go to the DMV. Whenever you go to the DMV, you're like, man, everyone here is hideous. It's like this, this is like the general pop. The general population is so ugly and gross. And it's funny how when people get their license picture taken, they go, oh, it's my license is a, it's a bad picture. And I go, no, that's what you look like. <laughs> And that was like a big line for it was very Seinfeldian. Yeah. And that got a laugh. And then one guy said it was hacky because I was doing DMV jokes and it ruined my life. And I dropped the joke. And then I had another <laughs> joke where I said, uh, my girlfriend wants me to be more aggressive. Like she wants me to push everything off the table and throw her up there. I'm like, what are you kidding? I got a MacBook Pro up here. That's worth more than you or something like that. And that that did pretty well. But yeah. my real joke, the one that I when I wrote it, I danced around my house living with my parents. It was, uh, I'm so bad in bed when me and my first girlfriend decided to lose our virginity to each other, I bled. And that was like uh, the crown jewel in my act. That's great. So that, that got you, that got you going, that got you, those yeah. got laughs, you got addicted to it. And then, yeah. well, but you were still in New Orleans at this point, right? Uh, so Pretty are, much, yeah. are you doing like just any open mic in, in the area, driving three hours sometimes just for sure. five minutes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was obsessed. So, yeah, we'd drive all over Louisiana. We'd go to Mississippi, whatever it was. And uh, it just now I had a thing. I had a purpose. I had a, a lifestyle. I had new friends. I felt like I just joined this whole new club that I didn't know existed, this underground club. And it was great. And, and then. I went to film school because I, I thought I was going to be like a filmmaker, a Woody Allen type, and I hated it. But I was doing open mics in New York every night. Not every night, maybe every every once a week. And I was like, this is so cool. I've been doing open mics in New York. Oh, my God. Ah. And then, then I moved back when school ended. It was a three-month course. Moved back, and I, I was like, I got to get back to New York. I felt alive there. There's more open mics. There's like some chance of – becoming a comedian whereas in new orleans is zero you know there's zero industry or production or whatever so i knew i had to get back and that was that was like my trajectory so i got like three guys together who were like yeah i'll go and we all moved up together and it was a hellish hellish like seven years of getting their ass kicked but uh two one of them quit one became a writer and i'm still here yeah did you have a moment in new york where you're like okay i've I've made it. I'm cool. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I don't have to move back home. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I just wanted to make money doing comedy and not have a day job. That was yeah. it. I, I don't need, even now, I'm like, I don't need to be Seinfeld or Sebastian or these, these 
Madison Square Garden motherfuckers with a sitcom, Ray Romano. Like, I like I like anonymity. I like being, you know, behind the scenes. I just want to go to a bar, have a beer, cry, and go home. I don't want the guy to go, Mark Norman's crying in his beer. Oh, get it on TMZ. That seems like a fucking nightmare. So yeah. uh, I just wanted to be a comic and, and, and write funny shit and make people laugh and then go home. But you know that as, uh, I mean, I feel like you're uh, at the point uh, if you haven't already been there of where anonymity is just going away, have you felt that walking through airports and stuff? A little, but I, I'm at a good level. Like I'm, I'm nobody. I, I'm at, so I'm at a good level where I get one or two a day in New York. I get more just cause you're outside and there's more people, but like mm. I'll be in uh, Philadelphia at, at a coffee shop. And some guy's like, are you Mark? Are you, are you that guy? I'm like, yeah. Oh man, that thing with the uh, the news anchor in Cleveland was fucking hilarious. I'm like, oh, thanks, <laughs> thanks. And we take a photo and I move on. So I, I can handle that. Yeah. But yeah. when you got uh, some guy pulling his camera out, just going, "Whoa, look at this guy!" and you're like, "I'm a human being." It's like, yeah, like, I know I, that, that's the weirdest one. I got nothing to say, and I always feel like I'm going to let him down because I, that's exactly how I you know we're, we're we're kind of boring yeah. at the end of the day. You know, yeah. I can juggle and hand, stand on my hands, but uh, I'm, I'm at a I'm at a Denny's here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and that's all, that's always the thing too. Is like a lot of times when people. Uh, see so at a Denny's, you know, you're not at your highest point in your life, right? Yeah. There. I mean, there's no time you're getting a Grand Slam breakfast at 2 a.m. when you know you're like, yeah, this would be a good time for a picture. You know, they can <laughs> right, see right. like the 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 tears welling up in your eyes around that time. You know, and, so, and there's no context because they go home and go, I met this fucking comic. He's funny. What are you kidding? He told me to get to get out of there, and he was having a bad day. Fuck him. He sucks. And you're like, come on, you you interrupted my meal, put a camera in my face. You gotta have you gotta meet me halfway and have some decency as well. Yeah, yeah. Which I most mean, people do. Have you ever like uh, blown off a, a fan to a point where you're like, ah, I kind of regret that. Once, once. I'm a I'm a passive guy. I I'm I am very gracious that anybody would take ten seconds out of their life to watch some horseshit that I've written. So if you come up to me, I will hug you. I will take a photo with you. But one guy. I was in China. I was doing a gig in China, all over China, like Shanghai and Beijing and all these places. And I did Beijing and I had like the best set. It was just this magical set. I'm in the middle of nowhere. China, man, you couldn't get further away. And I'm on the roof of this bar with my girlfriend at the time. And it was like a beautiful night. We're in China. We're having dinner on this roof. The show went great. It was packed. And this guy, I'm eating with my lady, and this guy won't leave me alone. He sits down at the table. He's like a younger guy. I think he was pretty shithoused. And he was like, man, I remember when you said this, and, and I can't believe I can't believe your girlfriend's here, man. All the shit you've talked on podcasts about fucking girls. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And I, I just snapped on this kid. Like, you, you, you went too far, man. You abused my niceness, yeah. and you took advantage of my niceness. And I just picked the guy up by his shirt and I said, get the fuck out of here. And I like kind of did like a jazzy Jeff on him and tossed him <laughs> a little bit. And some, uh, thankfully some people were like, all right, yeah, sorry about that. Let me get this guy out of here. Yeah. And I was like, I, I can't, if you start to realize why these big celebrities just kind of go recluse, like, I'm not going to do that. Cause I, I get it. But like, you know, like a lot of comics I know, they're like, they do the show, they go hide in the green room and then they get in a limo and they go home. 
And it's because of this guy who abused it. Yeah, there there is definitely uh, that, you know, we're human being at the end of the day. And you can't just, uh, yeah, you can't yeah, just do yeah. that shit. I think it's tough because for people, I think they... I've had a lot of uh, I'm like really big in Wisconsin. You take a step out. Nobody knows who I am. But, you know, there's a lot of this stuff of like filming you from across the bar and you didn't yeah. even know yeah. that was happening until you see it on Twitter the next day. And you're I, like, know. Well, I think I was in a fight in that conversation. You know, I think <laughs> I, that was not my best moment, but it's just it's weird stuff like that. Speaking of which, you're coming to uh, Comedy on State in Madison. This is a great club, man. That's one of my favorite oh, clubs yeah. in the country. I uh, have you pl- you played there before. Yeah. I think it's top five. Uh, I did two albums there. That's how good that club is. When, oh, I, well, when I'm ready to record an album, I do it there. And uh, there's two girls who run it, the two ladies, the Greek yeah, gals. They're like, awesome. These girls are badass chicks. Like They run that club with an iron fist. It's so well run. It's so perfect. The green, It's the best green room in the country by oh, far. Yeah. Yeah. And they just care about the comics. And they own the theater next door. These girls are beasts. One time I was recording an album, and this lady kept heckling me. And one of the women, one of these girls, did it herself and threw this lady out. And I saw her, like, having it out with this lady in the hallway. And I'm on stage, like, I could see this 100 feet away. And I'm like, oh, my God, this chick has got my back. <laughs> She's chewing this lady out, and, and rightfully so. But uh, I'm, I'm, I will forever love those ladies. I'm yeah. indebted to them. Those gals are the, the real deal. Yeah. Have you uh, hung out in the Midwest a lot uh, while you've been here? Gone out to any uh, good bars, any weird Midwest stories? I love the Midwest. The Midwest gets a bad rap. Uh, just the term flyover states is kind of weird and, and insulting. But uh, I don't know. I mean, don't people realize like, every president we've had has been from Arkansas or, or Ohio Texas or... or like Milwaukee or some shit or Minneapolis. Yeah. It tech- I mean, uh, the, the Midwest is awesome. Happy yeah. Days and Laverne and Shirley, Cleveland, so much industry, Detroit, fucking Detroit, the car stuff. And I mean, Kansas is awesome. St. Louis has some great spots. All the, all the best blues and jazz guys are from St. Louis. Yeah. Like it's killer. Pennsylvania's killer. And the Poconos and the Adirondacks. So yeah, I'm a big Midwest guy. Yeah, that, well, that's the nice thing about uh, doing stand-up. You can travel around. You can uh, see all these parts of the country you probably wouldn't have gone to otherwise. Yeah, that's uh, so um, true. New comics coming up, especially in this age of social media or whatever. What's your advice for them to you know get to a place where you're at touring around? Uh, that's a good question. Just young young comic advice in general, I, I and nobody wants to hear it. Just get really good at what you do. Everybody's trying to get a TikTok thing to go viral, and everybody's trying to have a, a hot new podcast. And then they maybe maybe hit hot, and then they suck. Right. Do the act. Work on the act. I know it's not fun. It's not glamorous. It's work. But if you have a killer act and a, and a good head on your shoulders, you will be hugely successful. you got to have an act. Get a killer 10. Then once you get a killer 10 that's bulletproof everywhere, it can work in an urban room, a hipster room, Midwest, TV, Build another 10, just like it. And it's going to be hard and you're going to fail and you're going to bomb, but just keep doing it and try to be nice to everybody on the way up. Mm. You can't stress that enough because these motherfuckers will turn on you and they will tell every secret you've ever done. Oh, he farted on me once at 88. String him up, you know? So uh, always, always, always have, uh, you know, have a good, Good aura about you. Come in with positivity. There's so many comics who come in there and go, I can't get this. He got that. 
I have friends who I know who suck at comedy and they're like, how did he get that? Why not me? And I'm thinking, you suck. Why would you get that? But they don't know that. So that's some big advice too, is try to be aware of how much you suck. Yeah. You are nobody. There's 800,000 comics. You're one of the worst ones. Become one of the better ones. Listen to your tapes. When they're not getting laughs, your jokes aren't getting laughs, change them. It's all very simple, but we have ego and we have insecurity and we have all these you know, self-defense mechanisms that heal us and make us want to feel better. And they go, that guy's a hack. I'm like, you're a hack. And they go, I'm not a hack. You're talking about me. I'm like, no, you are a hack. You suck. Everybody calls you a hack behind your back and you don't even know it because you're so <laughs> wrapped up in your own horse shit. Yeah. So another thing is don't try to take other people down to give yourself a spot. Right. Just make your own spot. You can't get shit. We all complain. I complain. I'm guilty. I'm human. Make your own shit. Make a, make a special. That's the other thing is like all these comics and bitch, if they put out a YouTube, a YouTube special, it would suck and it would reveal them. It was it would expose them. That's the beauty of YouTube is there's some fucking meritocracy there. There's, it's actually real validation. So know how much you suck. Get good and be nice. There it is. There it is. That no is secret. That is the tweetable form. It took like five minutes to get there, but that's your tweet for it. Sorry, at the end. Sorry. No, 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 no. I got to flesh it out. It was, was it was biking. all good. It was all gold leading up to that. You know, I recommend they see the editor's cut, you know, but that's <laughs> the tweet. So. Yes. Um, thanks here. so much for coming on, man. And you're going to be at Comedy on State September 30th. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that, I think two weeks from now. So two weeks from that now. Is. Okay. And you're there for three nights? Three nights, I think we're going to try to add some shows because Madison Ooh. is just such a great little town with great people. Great little town with great big people. So yes. uh, <laughs> I can't wait. And I just I just feel at ease there. It's like there's like a calmness and a, and a kindness to those people. So yeah, I live yeah. in New York where everybody's trying to, you know, cut your dick off every 10 minutes. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> thanks, man. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, hope, uh, if I'm not uh, doing a show, I think I'm going to come up and check you out. So I, yeah, uh, come say hi. I got some real dark shit and some real clean shit. Uh, it's all over the road. And uh, I, I feel like the, the set's cooking right now. I got some good momentum. Awesome. Excited to see it, man. Uh, good luck in uh, West Palm Beach tonight. All right, everybody. That is it for this week's episode of the Cripes Cast. Make sure you follow Mark Norman on Instagram. That's at Mark Norman. You can go to his website, Mark Norman Comedy, where you can get some tickets, including to his upcoming show at Comedy on State. And if you want to follow the Cripes Cast, we got video and pictures and all these other components. You can check it out at Cripes Cast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okie dogs, that's it for this week. Uh, I'll see all you next week. Until then, uh, chew a lot of gum. And uh, yeah, not as much as me. You know, you don't want to question yourself the way I do. But anyway, keep her moving while you keep her moving. Watch out for deer. Bye-bye. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving. It's on Wisconsin. The Badgers say it's the old Wisconsin Jubilee. You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot in the walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle and you think you're done. No, you got to keep her moving. 